Disorganized Acting Company presents The Uncanny X-Men, Days of Future Past, by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. This is New York, the Big Apple. Once upon a time, it was a nice place to live. It is no longer. The street is Park Avenue. When Cape Pride was a child, it was one of the swankiest neighborhoods in the city, if not the world. Now it's a slum, abandoned, derelict, dying, much like the city, the country, the planet around it. Kate isn't in much better shape. Her face shows the hardship and insufficient nourishment that has been her life for decades now. Welcome to the 21st century. This is rogue territory, the last place on earth the Sentinels would expect a mutant, especially an X-Men to be. That's why Logan chose it. I wish he'd make his entrance, though. Everything looks peaceful enough, but it feels... What Kate thought was just decades of debris on the street turns out to be a trap as a section of it drops from beneath her, forming a none-too-smooth ramp. No, this can't be happening now. Not when we're so close. Not with so much depending on us. Rogues! How perceptive of you, mutie, and how kind of you, shall we say, to drop in. You'd be advised to let me go. I'm on official sentinel business. Big deal. We hate those tin tyrants almost as much as we hate muties. Beg all you want, sweetheart. Scream all you want, even if people hear. No one will come to help you. You're going to be a long time dying, mutie. Not if I have anything to say about it, rogue. This inhibitor collar I'm forced to wear neutralized my power to phase out through solid objects. I'm just a normal woman, but I was trained in combat starting at 15. Even from her place on the floor, Kate is able to deliver a devastating kick to the rogue leader's gut. Robbo, George, grab her. I'm going to flay this mutant witch alive. No, you're not, bub. You're going to release the lady. Just like she asked. A short man in jeans, a fur-lined coat, and with gray along his temples, stands over the unconscious forms of the other two rogues. Who's gonna make me, short stuff? You? Nobody gives Big Alex orders on this turf. You want the woman, old man? Then you come save her. If you insist, but don't say I didn't warn you. Despite being apparently unarmed, the older man makes quick work of the brute. After only two strikes, Big Alex joins his crew in a pile on the floor. The man aids Kate to her feet. You okay, Kate? I'm fine, Logan, but I can live without calls this close. I know what you mean. In the old days, I'd have simply have cut these punks in two with my retractable claws, but doing that would tell the Sentinels I'm back in town. Come on, let's roll. So tell me, Colonel Logan, how's life in the Canadian Resistance Army? Thrill a minute, darling. The word from London is that everything's on automatic. The moment the Sentinels move out of North America, the other great powers will launch a full-scale nuclear strike. Then it's up to the X-Men. As always, when there's a world to save. Here's the last component of the jammer. Like the other modules, it's invisible to the Sentinel sensors. You shouldn't have any problem smuggling into camp. That's easy for you to say. You got a point. Phase two begins at midnight when I bust you guys out. Be ready, Kate. Good luck.
We'll be waiting, Logan. And thanks. At First Avenue, Kate catches the Uptown Express tram, a bus drawn by a team of six horses to the Bronx. En route, she doesn't bother to hide the sorrow in her eyes as she contrasts what is with what once was and wonders how so much could change so quickly. In North America, 30 years past when Kate thought she had a bright future, there are three classes of people and all are clearly labeled by their clothing. H for baseline human, clean of mutant genes, allowed to breed. A for anomalous human, a human possessing mutant genetic potential forbidden to breed. M for mutant, the bottom of the heap, made pariahs and outcasts by the Mutant Control Act, hunted down and, with a few rare exceptions, killed without mercy. In the quarter century since the act's passage, millions have died. They were the lucky ones. Mutant 187, you are behind schedule returning to the internment center. Explain. I was attacked by rogue Sentinel Alpha 3. I escaped. That caused the delay. Encephalo-scan indicates truthful reply. You may pass. After an exhaustive and intentionally humiliating security examination to ensure that she is carrying no contraband, Kate is allowed to re-enter that camp that is now her home. As always, the first thing she sees is the cemetery. As always, there's a fresh grave. Interred here are all the victims of the Sentinels. Some I knew, most I didn't. But in a way, we're all family. The headstones she passes are simple, and in many cases quite worn. Each bears the name of a victim of the Sentinel's campaign to purify humanity. Kurt Wagner, Hank McCoy, Peter Parker, Warren Worthington, Bobby Drake, Scott Summers, Reed Richards, Susan Richards, Lorna Dame, Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm, Charles Xavier. Forgive us, my friends. We cannot avenge you, but at least we can try to assure that the nightmare never even begins. Of all the X-Men who ever were, only four remain. Logan, once known as Wolverine, is still a free man. For their own reasons, the Sentinels have let Kate Pride, Aurora Monroe, and Peter Rasputin live. When they were much younger, they had code names, Sprite, Storm, and Colossus. Now they, like all prisoners at the camp, are forced to wear collars that prevent the use of their more than human powers. As Kate rejoins her comrades in arms, she sees that two more trusted, even essential friends are with them. The first is Franklin Richards, the 20-something son of the fabled Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Woman. The other is just known as Rachel, a powerful telepath and a telekinetic, were she not restrained by technology. Sorry I'm late. I ran into a rogue pack. They ran into Logan. I have the final module. Logan says he'll strike at midnight. Phase one must be completed by then. How normal we make it sound. Yet what we contemplate is so fantastic I still cannot believe it's possible. That strange talk, Pietro Alexandrovich, coming from one who has seen and done what you have. 
the former master of magnetism, once the X-Men's greatest foe, joins his younger allies. His arms are strong for an elderly man. They have to be, since he has to use them to propel his wheelchair across the uneven ground every day. I have ever been a simple man, old friend. More farmer in my soul than superhero. I cannot shake my doubts. If there were an alternative, Peter, any alternative, we would take it. But if we do nothing, by tomorrow the world will be at war, and by the day after tomorrow the world will be dead. Our actions may not make things better for humanity or mutant kind, but they certainly cannot make them worse. Rachel, child, so much depends on you. I won't fail, Magneto. I've been meditating all day. Once the jammer's operational, we can start any time. Then what are we waiting for? A moment to my wife. As I said, I have doubts. Can our mad, desperate plan work? More importantly, should it? We are toying with the basic fabric of reality, and if we succeed, what will happen to us to our love? It might cease to exist along with the Sentinels. That's a risk we have to take. What does the love of two people matter against the lives of billions? I am selfish. It matters to me. Peter, if our love was meant to be, it will be. Only this time, in a world where our children can grow up free and unafraid, the Sentinels killed my friends, and they have killed my... my babies. If changing the past holds out even the slightest hope of saving them, I'll do it, whatever the cost. I love you, Kate. And I you, Peter, from the moment we first met. Shortly, Magneto wheels himself into a dark and isolated room. A lone mattress with no bedding is the closest thing to furniture present. Eklund. The final adjustment, sir. This jammer should neutralize the inhibitor collars. Inside this room will be as strong as we ever were, for as long as the unit's power cells function. By then, we'll be free of the collars. Franklin helps his elder leave the room as Kate settles onto the mattress. Young Rachel sits in lotus position by the head of the woman who's almost been a mother to her. Lay back and relax, Kate. This is crazy. I've got butterflies in my stomach. Hush. Sorry. Breathe with me. Let your mind become one with mine, and our minds are one with all. Before she knows it, <clears throat> Catherine Pride Rasputin is entranced, her soul flung out across the abyss of eternity. What happens next is anyone's guess. Roughly 30 years prior, it is Halloween. The X-Men are in costume, but not for festivities. For the uncanny X-Men, Storm, Angel, Colossus, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler, it's a day like any other, which begins with a strenuous combat workout in the danger room of their Westchester County, New York mansion headquarters. This is where they hone their mutant abilities to a razor-keen edge under the tutelage of their mentor, Professor Charles Xavier. It is no place for the uninitiated as Kitty Pride, the newest, youngest member of the team, is about to discover. Kitty, what are you doing in here? Uh, Nightcrawler sent me to tell you that he got held up in the kitchen, but Storm, the door was unlocked. I figured you hadn't started your training session. Kid, that flaming stupid door is always unlocked. Sprite, use your phasing power. Turn around and walk out through the wall. Seeing the youngster is too rattled to react, the avian X-Men dives to the rescue. Hang loose, kid. I'll take care of you. 
Angel, no. The computers are running this session. Where you go, your test threat will automatically follow. Kitty, Pumpkin, hit the deck! Dozens of projectiles, which had targeted Angel mercilessly and thoughtlessly, fly towards the youngest X-Men. What? Why? Oh no! Relax, kitten. My whirlwind should pull you out of harm's way. Colossus, take Sprite. Everyone else, try to reach the panic button. I'm canceling this session. I cannot catch her in my armored form. The impact might injure her. I must become human and hope the danger room does not take advantage of me. The young Russian concentrates and, with a burst of energy, his organic steel body once more becomes flesh and blood. Just in time for Kitty to fall into his outstretched arms. Am I in trouble, Peter? Am I going to get yelled at? Probably, if you survive. If I survive, Peter, look! The pile driver! An enormous mechanism is rapidly descending from the ceiling of the cavernous room, designed to prove a challenge for Colossus in his metal, superhuman form, not the too soft flesh that he now is. He has split seconds to act, but before Colossus even begins to move, a burst of flame coupled with a stench of brimstone heralds the arrival of Nightcrawler, who immediately depresses the panic button, freezing the danger room tests. Talk about your dramatic entrances. It seems I teleported here in the proverbial nick of time. You could say that, friend Kurt. Are you all right, Kitty? Uh-huh. Were you frightened? Uh-huh. I also. Well, why are you cut? I know it was your turn to clean the breakfast dishes, but that shouldn't have made you late for this training session. I'm sorry, Oro. The morning news had an interview with Professor Xavier about today's mutant hearings in Washington. I guess I lost track of time. Don't do it again. And you, young lady, are never to come through that door when the warning light is on. Don't be so harsh, Storm. Kitty's first training session is scheduled for this morning. I'm sure her eagerness got the better of her. Nicht wahr, Kitty? Uh, yeah, Nightcrawler, sure. Soon enough, the danger room has been reset. Young Sprite stands alone in the doorway, ready to begin the test of her own mutant power as her elders watch from the control room far above. She's still antsy around you, Kurt. Yeah, Wolverine. I've tried to break the ice between us, but nothing works. From strangers, I don't mind that reaction to my inhuman appearance. From a friend, a fellow X-Men, it hurts. Be patient, Kurt. She says so much to learn. Storm activates the loudspeaker so Kitty can hear her. Sprite, this is Storm. Begin whenever you wish. All you have to do is walk across the room. Don't sweat it, Pumpkin. It won't hurt. Much. Thanks, Wolverine. I really needed that. Sprite squeezes her eyes shut. She's shaking as she takes her first hesitant step. Then another and another. I know the room is set on lower power. It can't really hurt, but I'm still nervous. I'm scared. But Aurora believes in me. They all believe in me. I can't let them down. As she moves further into the room and nothing nasty seems to happen to her, her confidence slowly increases. Unsure of how to cope with all the myriad threats thrown her way, Kitty responds instinctively by simply using her mutant ability to phase through solid objects. Nothing can touch her. The danger room does its level best to stop her, 
but it's a wasted effort as she phases through every obstacle from one wall to the other. In the observation booth... <laughs> I thought I'd seen it all. Charlie spent hours programming this room for Kitty, and she beats it with her eyes closed. Man, oh man, I wish Xavier were here. I'd give anything to see his reaction. Back to the drawing board, I think. Down below, Sprite opens her eyes. I made it! How'd I do, Storm? You are splendid, kitten. Suddenly, reality twists inside out for Kitty. She comes face to face with herself. An older, sadder, wiser, stronger self. And then her soul, too, is flung out over the abyss of eternity. In her mind, she screams. In reality, she drops without a sound. Kitty! Kitty. Cut. Get down there. Bursts of smoke mark both Nightcrawler's exit from the observation room and appearance by Kitty's slack body. How is she? Breathing, thank heaven. Her pulse is strong and steady. There's no sign of any gross injury. She looks thunderora. Impossible. We'd have seen the stun beam. Besides, I shut down the room systems the moment she reached the door. Take her to the infirmary for an in-depth examination. Perhaps this is a delayed reaction to something that happened during the test. Soon. According to the biosensors, it is fine. Then why did she collapse? Easy, Storm. Crawler said the kid's okay. Okay physically, Flyboy, but I'm getting some weird readings from the electroencephalogram. I ran comparisons between these and the ones in Kitty's med file. The basic pattern is the same, but these are more complex. Maybe Charlie or Marva Metagart can puzzle it out. This is sure way beyond me. One thing is certain. Something happened to Kitty. But was it an attack? And if so, from whom? Or are we simply letting our imaginations run away with us? <clears throat> who, who? Kurt? Aha! A kleiner Fraulein is... Kurt, it's you! Really you! Alive! Awake? Of course I'm alive. What else would I be? I'm... I'm in the med lab. In the mansion. In Westchester. Then I made it! Kitty, you aren't making sense. Lie down, little one. Rest now. I can't. There's no time. Angel, Aurora, Peter, this is incredible. Rachel said she could do it, but in my heart of hearts, I didn't believe she could pull it off. Who is Rachel? Pull what off, kitten? Kitten, it's been years since you called me that. Kitty, ch child, are you all right? I'm, I'm fine, Storm, but, but I'm not Kitty. I'm Kate. This body is inhabited by the mind of the persona, the soul of the woman I'll be in 30 years. I'm from the future. Are you? Indeed. I think you're tired. You've had a round morning and a hard shock. I'm concussed and hallucinating, is that it? It's funny, I remember you telling me that the hardest part of this operation would be convincing you of the truth. The fact remains that today, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants will murder presidential candidate Robert Kelly, along with Charles Xavier and Moira McTaggart. Kelly's assassination will set in motion a sequence of events that, 30 years from now, will culminate in the destruction of the world in a nuclear holocaust. I'm here to prevent that. Crazy as it sounds, Roro. My enhanced senses say she is talking truth. 
Aurora, what I say may be fantasy, but suppose it isn't. Can you afford to stand idly by while Senator Kelly, not to mention Charles and Mora, are murdered? No, I can't. We'll take you to Washington, kitten. There, Professor Xavier can telepathically mind-scan you to determine your bona fides far more effectively than any of us could, and also determine the veracity of your story. The X-Men's custom plane would be too conspicuous in the nation's capital, and so, as soon as Angel, in his alter ego as Warren Worthington III, whistles up his own private jet, the X-Men are on their way. I was chosen because at the time I hadn't been trained to defend myself against a psychic attack. Colonel Logan should have freed the others by now, whenever or wherever now is. I wonder how they're doing. 30 years in the future, New York City. This old subway tunnel's working like a charm. It'll take us into the heart of Manhattan. How's Kate? Unconscious. I hope she remains so. The less Kitty knows of what has happened to her and what may happen to her, the better. I wish we could have brought Magneto. He knew what he was doing when he volunteered to cover our escape. His wheelchair would have slowed us up too much. A noble death is still a death, Logan. I am so sick of death. What? Above us. That sound. Sentinels. Ah! Franklin! All units alert. Patrol 3014 has contacted new escapees from South Bronx internment facility. Mutants, you are advised to surrender or face immediate termination. This is your only warning. Franklin, he... He, uh, Storm, help me. When he died, I felt it in my mind. I know, Rachel, but you mustn't yield to your pain. We need you. I won't break, Storm. Those bloody robots killed my man. The least I can do in return is kill them. Warning, warning. This unit is under telekinetic attack. Central control, all city alert. Mutant contacts, not wearing inhibitor collars. Control 3L40, requesting immediate reinforcement. Identification. This unit is facing storm. The force of my lightning bolt is staggering the sentinel, but I'm not doing him any real damage. He's too well insulated. Rachel, guard Kate with your life. The once idealistic Russian immigrant concentrates, and for the first time in two decades, his flesh transforms at a molecular level into living steel. Logan. It has been a long while since we practiced a fastball special, has it not? Too long, pal. As Nightcrawler used to say, up, up, and away. Muscles clench, synapses close, and gleaming adamantium claws pop out of the backs of Logan's hands. These retractable claws are forged of the strongest metal known, a metal far stronger than the Sentinel's omnium steel body. Peter kneels down, and Logan steps onto his giant friend's outstretched hand. Then, with all of his not inconsiderable might, Peter throws Logan at the Sentinel. The living missile flies straight at the Sentinel's head, and those unbreakable claws shred through the robot's cranium. Smoke pours from the wounds, but it's not near enough to bring down the two-story tall monstrosity, and it catches Logan in one hydraulic fist. This unit critically damaged, but still functional. Mutant assailant identified as James Allen, aka Logan, aka Wolverine, has been captured. Termination imminent. Roro, I've given you an opening. 
Finish this sucker. As good as done, Logan. This lightning bolt shall reduce the Sentinel's computer brain to so much slag. Way to go, darling. One down. How many million to go? Company is coming, my friends. A triad patrol. The longer we stay in one place, the more vulnerable we become. Our only hope is to hit and run and never let ourselves be backed into a corner. If I hit the base of the derelict building precisely right, I think I can give our would-be pursuers a headache they'll never forget. The robot's screams are frighteningly human, but Peter does not care. He was the gentlest of souls until the Sentinels slew his friends and his children, and thereby taught him how to hate. We must push on. The Baxter building is the Sentinel's continental nerve center. Destroy it and we cripple them. I wish Kate Locke, wherever she is, I do not know who will need it more, her or us. In the present day at the Pentagon, the largest building of its type in the world, command headquarters of the mightiest military machine that the world has ever known. To many people, it is more truly representative for good or ill of the reality of America than the White House or Congress. Deep within this man-made labyrinth, we find a young woman named Raven Darkholm. Colonel, I'll expect the latest stealth test results on my desk Monday morning. She works out of the office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Research and Development, and, as such, has access to the most secret and sophisticated weaponry in America's arsenal. She's earned her position and the complete trust of her superiors. Unfortunately, that loyalty is as much an illusion as her appearance. For Raven Darkholm is a metamorph, a shapeshifter, a mutant better known to her comrades as Mystique, founder and leader of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Awaiting her in a safe room deep within the Pentagon are her comrades in arms. Avalanche, whose touch crumbles any solid object and creates an irresistible wave effect. Pyro, who controls living flame. Destiny, the woman that Raven loves, who is a blind precog with a psychic ability to see the future. Last but not least is the Blob, a man whom no physical force can harm. Good morning, all. I trust these accommodations meet with your approval. No complaints? How nice. Destiny, what does the future hold? It's hard to be certain, Raven. I sense a variable, a new random element that could seriously affect our plan. I've been unable to focus on it. Also, the blob is uncomfortable with your leadership. There is a potential for trouble. Blob? Hey, Ray, you helped bust me out of the joint. You got me threads, bread, a classy pad. For that, I'm grateful. I just don't take orders from abroad. Well, lordy day, Chunky. You think you can do better? Blow it out your union, Jack Limey. This between me and yow! Watch your mouth and remember your place so the next time I like to match, I'll create a flame demon that will parboil instead of just scare you. I've taken all the lip from you. I'm gonna, Englishman. Fred J. Dukes ain't no two-bit amateur. I was part of the original Brotherhood. I worked for Magneto. 
If that was such an honor, Blob, how come you spent the last few years in prison? That sculpture, Avalanche, you disintegrated it. A minor demonstration of my power. Well, I don't need no hunk of rock to pulverize this punk pyro. That's enough, all of you. You're correct, Blob. I'm not Magneto, but cross me in any way, and you'll find I can be as implacable and deadly a foe as the Master of Magnetism ever was. Now, prepare yourselves. The time has come to strike. The United States Senate has been described as the greatest deliberative body on Earth. It has seen noble times and far too many shameful ones. It has epitomized the highest ideals of humanity, but also the worst realities. Today, once again, the Senate and the people it represents are being put to the test. We're gathered here to address an issue of critical national and international importance. This is not a witch hunt, but we hope and pray a search for truth. Much about our world has changed in recent years. We face situations and threats undreamed of by earlier generations. One such is the appearance of homo superior, mutants, flesh of our flesh, blood of our blood, yet possessing powers and abilities which set them apart. Some would even claim above the rest of humanity. Among our witnesses today are Professor Charles Xavier, world-renowned expert on genetics, and Dr. Moira McTaggart of Edinburgh University, whose work in the field has won her a Nobel Prize. If you ask me, Charles, that Saul's already made up his mind. Registration immunes today, gas jabbers tomorrow. Be charitable, Moira. He's scared. We must teach him that his fear is ungrounded. Professor Xavier is surprised to see five of his students, Peter, Aurora, Warren, Logan, and Kitty, enter the Senate chamber. He reaches out telepathically. Storm, what are you doing here? Is something wrong? You might say that, Professor. Open your mind to me, child. Your memories will explain matters far more effectively than your words. After mind-scanning Storm, Xavier turns to Catherine, and what he sees in her brain makes him pale. Senator, in all honesty, I fail to see the need for this hearing or your concern. The need is simple, Dr. McTaggart. I merely wonder if, in a world of beings like Dr. Doom and Magneto, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, and Lord knows how many others, if there's any place for ordinary men and women. I wonder as well, Doctor, if this same question wasn't asked by the last Neanderthal about the first Cro-Magnon. A wall of the august chamber begins to vibrate, slow at first, but rapidly increasing in amplitude until it starts falling apart. Holy, get out of here, you people, run for it. That wall's coming down. And when the avalanche of wood and metal has run its course, an apt question, Senator Kelly, and one with its own answer. For we all know what the first Cro-Magnon did to the last Neanderthal. I am Mystique. My colleagues and I comprise the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. We are your future, humans. Resist us at your peril. You've been babbling a lot about the mutant menace, Kelly. We're here to teach you just how right you are. Shoot! A lightning bolt! Who did that? We did, Comrade Blob. We are the X-Men. 
Sure enough, true believers, the civilian garb each member wore has been replaced by their heroic costumes. Nightcrawler has teleported into the Senate to stand with his team from the shadows he had been hiding in. Oh yeah? Except for that winged bozo, you sure ain't no X-Men I ever met. That's right, Fatso. We're better. If you mean to harm Senator Kelly, Mystique, or anyone else here, then you'll have to go through us. That, Storm, will be a pleasure. Senator Kelly is fond of speaking against the mutant menace. My colleagues and I are that menace incarnate. As an example of our dread power, as an object lesson to those who would oppose us, we intend to kill him. Stand aside, X-Men, or suffer the consequences. This is monstrous! How dare you freaks turn the United States Senate into a battlefield? How dare you threaten me? Marshals, arrest those people! Kelly, you're either the bravest man I ever seen or the dumbest. Either way, you're gonna die today! That's enough out of you, creep. You and your mutie playmates have gone too far this time, and you're going to pay for it. Come along quietly, all of you, or else. Woo-wee, you got me shaking in my boots, cop. Chump, you're talking to the blob. No power on Earth can move me if and I don't want to be moved, and no force on Earth can harm me. A savage, impossibly strong backhand sends the marshal flying. When he awakes, it will be in a hospital several days later with a concussion and several broken ribs. You're a real terror against ordinary people, Blob. Let's hope the X-Men prove it's easy to deal with. Beams of force hammer out of Avalanche's hands, giving the marble floor a fluidity and sending it flowing towards the far end of the room like a tsunami, knocking several of the X-Men off their feet. Nightcrawler reacts first, using acrobatic skills honed by a lifetime in the circus to keep his balance on the swiftly tilting floor. Then he attacks in a style uniquely his own. He teleports, materializing again and again right behind Avalanche. I can punch and disappear far faster than you can react, Herr Levina. Even your armor won't protect you against this fearsome assault. Avalanche, strike to your left. That is where Nightcrawler will be up here. Oof. Oh, Glossus, you have the power to transform yourself into some form of metal. I wonder, can that metal melt? I do not know, and I do not intend to find out. That's a fancy flamethrower you're packing, bub. I wonder what'll happen if I punch my claws through the fuel tank and into your stinking hide. Wolverine, don't! Storm, have you flipped? What do you think you're doing? The X-Men's recently appointed team leader ignores Wolverine's protests as she uses her elemental powers to simultaneously create a whirlwind that yanks him away from Pyro and a torrential blast of rain to douse the flame hand that Pyro was threatening Colossus with. Nice move, Storm. With the country's growing anti-mutant sentiment, the last thing we need is Wolvie carving someone up, even if it is a villain. Angel, find Senator Kelly. He must be protected at any cost. Nearby, scrambling for their lives, are Professor Xavier and Dr. McTaggart. Charles, what the devil is happening? It's almost too fantastic to believe. Somehow the mind and persona of an adult Kitty Pride from 30 years in the future has psychically exchanged places with that of her teenage self. The body of Sprite is inhabited by the consciousness of a woman she will one day become. 
that's daft. Moira, I telepathically scanned her mind. It is the truth. Professor Xavier, let's get you and Dr. McTaggart out of here. That's the first sensible suggestion I've heard all morning. You'll be safe here. Thank goodness. Wait, Moira. I sense some sort of deception in front of her mind. She is not what she appears. Ah! As controlled as they were, you spotted my deception, Xavier. But not until it was too late to do you any good. That shot of nerve gas instantly paralyzed you. Now, deprived of your telepathic guidance, with only the woefully inexperienced Storm to lead them, the X-Men will be fatally crippled. You are my most dangerous foe, Xavier. I should kill you while I have the chance, but for the moment, I think you're of more use as a potential hostage. How fares our future destiny? I am not sure. Beyond a certain point, the images become jumbled and difficult to read. There is an X-Factor present, Mystique, an anomaly that strikes to the very heart of the time stream. So long as it exists, nothing is certain. I'm trying to pinpoint it. No matter. With or without your foreseeing help, my dearest, the Brotherhood will prevail. In the future, the four people whom Kate Pride loves most slowly, carefully pick their way through the ruins of Midtown Manhattan. Logan. Aurora and Rachel are the truest friends she could ever wish for, but Peter is her beloved husband. For Kate, the most terrible irony of their plan is that, if it succeeds, the love she and Peter shared might vanish along with the Sentinels. But the risk, the potential loss, was accepted. There was simply no moral alternative. Hold it. Another patrol. The Sentinels are busy tonight. Not surprising, considering how many of them we've trashed since I broke you out. They'll be expecting us to make contact with the Canadian Resistance Army. What they won't expect is an attack on their main headquarters in the Fantastic Four's old building. If we knock that out, we'll hamstring their operations across the entire continent. We'll have to hit hard and fast. I will take the lead, Logan. Okay, Roro. Good luck. Aurora summons a localized wind, taking to the air and winding around the few buildings between the fugitives and their target, the now infamous Baxter Building. All my life, I've flown with death. I once swore to never kill, but I have killed. And if I must, we'll do so again. In my own way, I've become as hard, ruthless, and merciless as Wolverine. I've become so numb that I can't even hate myself anymore. If anything, my soul feels tired. So long as breath remains within me, I will do what must be done. Raw energy flows through Aurora, automatically shaped and focused by her mind and her mutant genes, manifesting itself at last as an awesome, irresistible bolt of lightning that strikes the lone sentinel guarding the main ground floor entrance to the Baxter building. The sentinel will never know what hit it. The inactive shell slumps against the concrete edifice while Aurora's strike team catches up. Rachel, you remain here to protect Kitty as best you can. I wish I knew how Kate is faring in the past. Why is it taking so long? I don't know, Peter. Our world may not change at all. Instead, Kate's actions could create an entirely different timeline, an alternate parallel Earth. So the time switch could be a wasted effort. Great. 
Logan, I'm sorry. I just don't know. Post is clear, my friends. When this was the headquarters of the Fantastic Four, it contained some of the most advanced scientific achievements on Earth. That's why the Sentinels chose it as their primary base, but it's a base with an Achilles heel. If our intelligence reports are accurate and the in-house systems are still operational, then this electric eye beam in my belt buckle should activate the FF's private elevator. Bingo. All aboard. Next stop, the Sentinel Nerve Center and the fight of our lives. Nervous, Aurora? A beat. My claustrophobia. Confined spaces still put me on edge. I can't help thinking that it wouldn't take much to turn this tiny box into a death trap. Washington, D.C., present day. The X-Men are losing. I want to help, but I dare not. Precisely who killed Kelly was a closely guarded secret. It might have been any one of the Brotherhood. Like it or not, my duty lies with the senator. I did not want the position of field leader, but now that I have it, I do not intend to fail. We are hampered by the cramped space in the building and by our having to attempt to protect the innocent bystanders trapped in here. More than anything else, we need some fighting room. With that thought, Storm calls up a hurricane blast of wind, catching all the combatants by surprise and hurling most of them out of the Capitol building and onto the Great Mall. A shockwave quickly follows. The explosion of fist against Arbor as Colossus discovers that when struck by the blob, he is not an irresistible force and is a very movable object. The giant Brotherhood member soon follows under his own power, intending to crush the pro next man. I told you, Ruski, unless I decide I want to move, no force on earth can move me. But that ain't all I can do. I've been training myself to manipulate my mass. I've just made my body so dense it can squash even you flat. That may be well so, Blob, if you land on me by the White Wolf. Surprise, Sonny. Remember, I not only can't be moved, I can't be hurt either. Shoot, I could probably trash all of your new X-Men all by my lonesome. Unnoticed by either the X-Men or the Brotherhood, an Army Fast Reaction Special Weapons Team has arrived from Fort Wadsworth. Scarlet, who are the good guys and who are the bad? Who do we shoot at? Right now, that doesn't matter. We need to disable the combatants, Steeler. We'll sort the details out later. Concussion cannon, fire! The energy weapon is designed derived from the same principles as Iron Man's repulsor rays strikes effectively. Colossus, look out! Arrgh! That's one down. Let's see if we can't persuade the others that their fighting days are over. Kiss, kiss, bad move, soldiers. I trust you all have adequate vengeance. Your families will soon need them. I'm the better target, the more dangerous foe. I got to catch Pyro's attention and draw his flame creature away from the army and after me. Angel's ploy works, in a way. While the fire demon reaches for the retreating angel, Pyro sees that Blob is in trouble and the one fire monster splits into two. What's the matter, bub? If you're so invulnerable, how come you're so scared of my claws? 
At nearly the speed of thought, one of the fire demons lashes out, engulfing Wolverine in a huge anthropomorphic grip. Only seconds to act. Even Wolverine's mutant fast healing ability can't cope with the damage that flame has. In the blink of an eye, Storm climbs high above them all, gathering speed and strength as she goes. In another blink, she slams down through the center of Pyro's creation, blasting it apart with a massive wedge of air that hits with the force of a battering ram. Wolverine, my brute friend, are you alright? I'll live, Elf. The unstable molecules in my costume shielded me from most of the flames, and my healing power is already dealing with the burns. I owe a storm, pal. A few seconds more and I'd have been a goner. Oh man, Crawler, this hurts. For you to admit that, Wolverine, you must be in agony. Let me help. What the devil? Wolverine, beware. That's not me. I'm me. One of the Brotherhood must be a shape changer. Whoever you are, villain, you've just bitten off more than you could chew. I like being unique. I don't take kindly to doppelgangers. Neither do I. This is crazy. Which is which? I'm still too woozy for my burns. My enhanced senses can't tell them apart. But I figure the real Nightcrawlers ought to be able to teleport out of the range of my claws. Wolverine, sheathe your claws. Not a chance, Storm. We're in the middle of a fight. I'm in no mood for a debate. Sheathe them or use them on me. That can be arranged. I am the leader of the X-Men. While that is so, you will use your claws when I command no other time. I wouldn't have taken that from Cyclops. Our previous leader isn't here. You will take orders from me. You possess speed, strength, and your unbreakable adamantium skeleton makes you nearly invulnerable. You should not need your claws except in the most extreme of situations against the deadliest and most powerful of foes. All right, Storm. I'll do it your way. For now. But this conversation ain't over. Not by a long shot. Lady, since you and your pint-sized pal would obviously much rather feud than fight, it seems only fair that I send you far away from here where you can do it in peace. Avalanche, grab my hand, Wolverine. I'll fly you to safety. If you hadn't chosen such a stupid moment to get squeamish, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. What about Nightcrawler? Who's going to help him? I want no help, Wolverine. I intend to finish this fight on my own. Pyro's flame demon has given up on me. He's endangering more soldiers. I've got to airlift them out of the way. Wolverine, come with me. I need your assistance with this I-beam to defeat the blob. Fine by me, bub. I'm in the mood to defeat someone. The bigger, the better. The blob boasts that no power on Earth can move him. But suppose we move the Earth as he stands on. Like Archimedes said, pal. Give me a big enough lever, and I can move the world. The pair of X-Men sneak up behind a very distracted blob. Wolverine drops down to all fours, and Colossus places the I-beam over his partner's back and between the blob's legs. Wolverine becomes the fulcrum point, his adamantium steel bones far stronger than anything on the planet could break. Colossus pushes down on his end of the girder and... Yow! You got him in the air, Colossus. What are you going to do when he comes down? You're going to die, Rusty. That's a promise. I intend to prove that no matter how awesome the blob thinks his power has become, 
Colossus will not be crushed by him. By anyone. Blob! Oh no! Hit while still off the ground, Blob takes the full force of Colossus's superhuman might. His flight redirected, he crashes into Avalanche. A fortunate accident, but one well-timed for our heroes. Excellent, Colossus. That's two of the opposition beaten. Angel rescued those soldiers, now to deal with Pyro. He thinks himself protected by his flame creature. He forgets that while fires burn anything, water douses fire. It takes virtually all her strength of body and will to not merely create the storm, but more importantly, to control it. To do so, she warps weather patterns for miles around the District of Columbia. She creates a monsoon, but confining it to a tiny section of the mall. Hit by this raw, primal, and elemental force, neither the fire demon nor the man who brought it into being can stand against it for very long. Three of the Brotherhood are down. Now, a fourth joins them as the real Nightcrawler delivers a double-handed blow to his doppelganger. His opponent drops to the ground and begins shifting to her typical form. Unglaublich! Your mystique, your skin, your eyes. This is indeed your true form. Mein Gott, we are so alike. It be, Kurt Wagner, that you are not so unique as you once thought. You know my name. Who are you? Ask your adopted mother, Margali Strados. Who would know better than she? Vamoose, buddy. The army's got Blob, Avalanche, and Pyro in custody. They're looking to add the X-Men to their collection. Angel, no, we can't leave just yet, or we must take Mystique with us. Some of the things she said, I must learn the truth. But when the German-born mutant turns to face his foe... She disappears. With her shape-changing power, she can transform herself into anyone she pleases. I won't find her now. Indeed, Mystique has shifted into her more human-looking guise as Raven Darkholm and slips away from the chaos. I underestimated the X-Men this time, but never again. The Brotherhood will be rebuilt stronger than ever, and when the time is right, the X-Men will die. I'll generate a fog to cover us while we change back to our civilian clothes. We'll rendezvous at the airport and make sure the Professor and Moira are unharmed. It's too bad you revealed your identity, Wings. The feds are going to try and crucify you for this caper. That short stuff is why I employ the best lawyers in the country. Storm, all of you, wait! What about Sprite? Why has she not joined us? And Destiny, the last of the Brotherhood, where is she? Wouldn't Sprite still be protecting Sandra Kelly? Of course. Oh, no! Thirty years later, the Elder X-Men are about to make their strike at the heart of the Sentinel's empire. We've arrived, troops. So far, so good. So far, Logan, we have done little good. Destroying our few sentinels will not change the world. That's so, Roro. But zapping this baby here ought to gum up the work something fierce. He's Omega Series, a low number. One of the executive cadre, and he's all mine. Give me a fastball special, Petey. I'll gut that sucker from head to hips. Summoning all his considerable strength... Peter hurls his friend towards the seemingly unsuspecting Sentinel. Wolverine takes off like a runaway missile, but fast though he flies, the Sentinel reacts a fraction faster. 
his giant body spins around while an arm raises and blasts the airborne mutant. Logan never stood a chance. The adamantium that was implanted within him is indestructible, but the rest of him is flesh, much like any other. The beam emanating from the sentinel's palm almost instantly burns all organic material away from the metal. If there's any consolation, it is that this has happened so quickly that Logan, the man once called Wolverine, would not have had time to feel pain. Authentic organic being, are you so arrogant as to believe you could even approach, much less penetrate our innermost sanctum undetected? Not so. You are here because we allowed you to be here. The better to terminate you. Yield, X-Men, or suffer a similar fate. Never! Sentinel Omega-5 has been terminated. Additional Alpha Combat units respond to this location immediately. We may be hurt, Sentinel, but we are not beaten. We have faced greater odds and triumphed. Terminate one, Sentinel. Terminate 1,000. It makes no difference. Our numbers are too great. Eventually, mutants, we will overwhelm you. Aurora, I've toppled it. Freeze it! With a tremendous effort, Aurora surrounds the Sentinel with a fearsome blizzard, dropping its surface temperature far below zero in a matter of seconds, making its metal skin dangerously brittle. One punch from Peter will shatter it. While she concentrates on this robot, she counts on her airborne maneuverability to protect her from its companion unit. This time, her hope was in vain. Peter! Aurora! Peter Rasputin was ever a gentleman, a man of peace, a man who, like the woman he holds in his arms, thought life was the most precious of gifts and love the most precious celebration of that gift. Aurora was a sister to him, the best friend he ever had, and he finds her death unendurable. His hands red with her blood. He screams, and when he feels himself gripped by a berserker fury to rival Logan's, he welcomes it. On the street below, tears stream down Rachel's face, but she makes no move to wipe them away. Instead, she holds the body of Catherine Pride Rasputin even tighter. In my mind, I, I felt Aurora and Logan die. I, I can feel Peter's rage. I want to break contact, but I, I can't. I don't want Peter to be alone when he, when he, his, he's dead so quickly. I've experienced death so often in the minds of the other, and I'm terrified of dying myself. If Kate's body dies here, will her mind be trapped in the past? If so, I wish her a happier life than the one she lived the first time around. We did all we could, Kate. Now it's up to you. Present day in the Senate building. My colleagues have been defeated, Senator Kelly. Yet victory will still be ours with your death. Murdering me will accomplish nothing. True, people will fear mutants as they fear all terrorists, but they won't be cowed by that fear. They'll fight back. They'll destroy you, Destiny. Possibly, but you are a greater threat alive. Do not try to evade my crossbolt, Senator. I will sense your plans a heartbeat before you even formulate them and fire where you're going to be. I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. If I got my hands on you, mutant, I'd probably break your neck. But I won't run. Destiny laughs softly and tightens her finger on the trigger. 
As destiny fires, though, Kate phases wraith-like through her, calling upon all the experience to act as her younger self could not. As a woman out of time, Kate's presence and action couldn't be foretold by the precog. My, my mind, the temporal anomaly, a part of me, consuming me. Senator, duck! Kate wills her shoulders to become solid, bashing Destiny's arm and throwing off her aim. In that split second, an abyss opens within Kate Pride. Reality twists inside out, and suddenly she comes face to face with herself as a teen. So innocent, so vulnerable, so you. Impulsively, she kisses her younger self on the cheek, and then lets the winds of eternity sweep her home. Bright, are you all right? Senator Kelly, have you been harmed? Who are you, young woman? Who is this child? S-s-storm? Where am I? This isn't the danger room. I feel awful. I am Storm, leader of the X-Men. And I suspect this child is the person who just saved your life. Mutants, like all people, are both good and bad. You would do well to remember that, Senator, before you seek to condemn us all. Still, the authorities are coming, and I must leave. Later, en route to the Westchester, New York mansion that serves as both Professor Xavier's school for gifted youngsters and the secret headquarters of the X-Men, Professor X explains all that has transpired to a dumbfounded kitty. You remember nothing after blacking out in the danger room? Nope, except, well, I think I felt someone kiss me just before I woke up. Perhaps it is for the best. I think that if I knew my future, I would spend my life trying to change it. You said you mind-scanned me, Professor. What did you find out? About me, I mean. That Kate Pride is a delightful and admirable person as Kitty Pride. The rest you will discover in due course. Professor, we saved Senator Kelly. Kitty's mind has been returned to her body. Does that mean we changed the future? I do not know, Warren. Cliché though it sounds, only time will tell. Epilogue. Senator Kelly's committee has finished its hearing and submitted its report to the president. Now, on a chilled December evening, both Kelly and his financial backer, industrialist Sebastian Shaw, are summoned to the White House. Kelly likely wouldn't be so eager to take Shaw's money if he knew that the man was, himself, a mutant. Come in, Robert, Sebastian. I won't bandy words, gentlemen. I've read your report, Robert. Its recommendations are dangerous. They may be unconstitutional, even criminal. It's a draconian attitude for someone who owes his life to the mutant X-Men. A life that was threatened initially, Mr. President, by the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. If there were no mutants, period, my life wouldn't have been threatened at all. There is also the national security aspect, sir. An anti-government group of superpowered beings, mutant or otherwise, or such a group in the service of a foreign enemy, would be a serious threat to our nation. I realize that, Sebastian. For the moment, our actions, my actions, will remain covert in nature. The operation is codenamed Project Wide Awake. Allow me to present the man who will head it, 
Henry Peter Gyrich. He will be responsible to me alone, and his authority in this matter will be absolute. Your first priority, Henry, will be to work with Shaw Industries to design and construct a new series of robot sentinels. You'll have them, sir, and you'll have my word. This mutant controversy will be resolved. If we find them to be a threat to this republic, this world, the very human race, then they will be dealt with permanently. The Unpracticed Disorganized Acting Company podcast is a Podcastcadia production. Copyright 2021, Jeff Pallier. This episode was recorded the 31st of January, 2021. Our cast this episode was Alex as Mystique, Blob, and Steeler. Ananda as Nightcrawler, Avalanche, and Scarlet. Catherine as Catherine Pride. Big Alex and Security, Gina as Colossus, Rachel, and Henry Peter Gyrich, Jack as Storm, Angel, and Senator Kelly, Jen as Destiny and Professor Xavier, Rick as Magneto, Pyro, Professor McTaggart, and the President, Rob as Wolverine, Franklin Richards, and Sebastian Shaw and myself, Jeff, as the Sentinels and your narrator. The Uncanny X-Men Days of Future Past was written by Chris Claremont and John Byrne and originally published in X-Men 141 and Uncanny X-Men 142, released in late 1980. The story was adapted for audio by Jeff Pallier. The X-Men and all related elements are the intellectual property of Marvel. The unpracticed, disorganized acting company performs for the enjoyment of it and is not profiting in money, goods, or services from this presentation. Our theme music is Outfoxing the Fox by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Some sound effects from Zapsplat.com. To learn more about the unpracticed, disorganized acting company, look for us on Facebook and on our website, podcastcadia.com. There you can learn about upcoming projects and how you can also participate. <laughs>